Thank you for listening to this episode of Courtside Indiana Podcast. Please hit the subscribe or add button on your podcast app to get them delivered straight to your phone, tablet, or desktop. As always, we'd appreciate our rating and review. And you can reach us directly on our Courtside Indiana Twitter at CourtsideIND. Welcome to Courtside Indiana Podcast. I'm Jim Reamer, joined by Kyler Staley. It's just the two of us tonight, I think. Sounds like outside, it. Yeah, I suppose there's an outside chance Zach and Dominique hop on. Dominique's on vacation. But as far as I know, they have the internet down in, uh, where is he? Fort Myers? I think he's, I mean, uh, I don't know. I actually don't know where he's at. Was it? I felt like he said Cincinnati. Did someone say Cincinnati the other day? No, he's definitely in Florida. Okay. He took yeah, a flight. I mean, he, he was talking about Ubers. That's why yeah, I remember. We, yeah, we have the old Uber discussion. I don't think he flies from Fort Wayne to Cincinnati. Okay. He's definitely in Florida. Not to be That's a smartass. Not to be a smartass, <laughs> which, you know, is beyond me, right? <laughs> yeah, beyond you. Right. Anyway. Uh, and then Zach's got... Girls softball. Seriously, how, long gotta... keep, how long is he going to keep using that excuse? I don't know. I, I, don't, yeah, know I don't know. He... he thought it was last week. The playoffs are this week. Yeah. Something, I'm telling something's you, Kyler, still... we put kids on eBay. That's all I got to tell you. <laughs> we need to do an episode. Where we just talk about what we put on our Blackstones. <laughs> yeah. This is going to be, be outside Indiana off the, off the wall. Right. Extra. Yeah. Extra. Extra. Extra episodes. <laughs> All right, we're going to talk about the NI. We're going to talk about the uh, new NCAA recruiting calendar. What came out versus <laughs> what the NCAA published versus what it's actually going to be, reportedly. And then we're going to talk about a little bit about NII. We'll probably do it in reverse. We'll probably go into the NIL stuff first, and then we'll get into the NCAA stuff second. Kyler's got a cutoff, so this will be about an hour long. First, we're going to do a recruiting update. Uh, if I can get the image to pop up, that'd be great. Devin Lewis, senior guard from Fort Wayne Canterbury, got an offer from Manchester. Evan Haywood, he's picking up steam. Basically, you know, living what we said he was going to eventually get anyway. Uh, Evan Haywood picked up a, an offer from Miami of Ohio. Desmond Briscoe picked up an offer from Ball State. That's the sophomore or junior center, eh, junior forward from Christmas Attics. Aiden Kent, senior from uh, South Bend Clay, picked up an offer from Manchester. And in case I didn't say it, Hayward is a senior guard at Brebuff. Braylon Mullins is a junior, Greenfield Central. He has picked up another high major offer from Iowa. Anything there you want to talk about? Uh, I mean, that Iowa offer is pretty big for Braylon. Um, I feel like that's going to now – now the ball's going to be rolling, you know, with the high majors and all that, you know, Big Ten schools. I think are going to start getting really involved now. Yeah. Yeah, the question – and, again, it's it's kind of one of those things where, you know, he his shooting – his outside shooting, you know, he had some ups and downs with that. And he you definitely could see that it was – um, that it was there, that it could be there. And then you would see some games where he just was really pressing 
and and um, I don't know. His shot a lot of times was flat and 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 hard, and that was the question was was how was that going to evolve? And, and what's happened is, I mean, you know, he was already picking up low D one offers, so it wasn't a question of whether or not he was a Division one basketball player. But again, you start at this level, the high major level, you start really nitpicking things, and as his shooting has come, it has really enhanced everything in, in what he does and is, is really, you know, he's, that's why he's starting to get high major offers. I mean, he is, he's got a quick release. He elevates extremely well. And now he's hitting everything consistently and that's enhancing the re- the other parts of his game. He's got good mid range game and he can finish at the rim and, you know, he's got the athleticism, to, to do that at a higher level and the rest of it will just be how much weight can he put on uh, because he's, you know, he's got a lot of, he's got all the other physical tools. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think the weights, the uh, that's the next step. I think in his development and stuff, just getting stronger. Um, yeah. Obviously, you know, continuing to improve on the defensive end, he's already pretty solid on that end, but uh yeah, I mean, like I said, I think that Iowa offer is massive. I think it's just going to open up more schools. You know, I would assume Purdue um, will eventually offer him. Um, yeah. But we'll just see. You know, they, they zone almost 100% of the time at Greenfield. And they do. I mean, they've, I mean they, they kind of need to if they're going to. Look, I, I can never fault a coach. First of all, I, you know, I think zones of four letter F word as far as I'm concerned, but but I don't I don't coach at the level where I get to practice four or five times a week either. So, you know, that's something I would definitely have in a bag of tricks if I was a school coach. Um but a lot of coaches and and I don't know if this is a hundred percent why Coach Meredith does it, but a lot of coaches coach during their year the way they think they have to win come March, you know, and that is spending 20, 20 to 22 games perfecting the defense that they're going to need to win a sectional, you know, or they're going to need to win a regional or semi-state or, you know, got, you know, heaven help all of them a, a state championship. But, you know, Greenfield's not been blessed with depth in a given year. Um, they've, they've got a zone to compete against some of the teams that they've got to play. They, they're in a very difficult sectional and they're, they're in a very difficult and strong, I mean, a good basketball conference. And, you know, it's as big of a school, you know, Greenfield's a 4A school, but they still, they have a hard time developing three, four kids in a class. And a lot of it is just, and a lot of it right now is size. And that's that's the the crux of it. They just haven't had a lot of size the last three or four, hell, longer than that, the last four or five years. Right. I mean, their biggest players have been, (laughs) their biggest players have been Tate Hall. Yeah. Yeah. Who was a 6'6. Now, you know, I don't know if he's got the 6'7, but a 6'6 guard and and Braylon. Those are the tallest players that they've had there the last few years. They got, they got a big kid. I'm trying to think of what his name is. Um, big center. Um, blonde hair. Currently? I yeah. I mean, they've um, got – yeah, he's a younger kid. 
Yeah. And he probably will contribute some this year, but he is – it's not going to compel Coach Meredith to get out of that zone. Let's put it that way. No. No. No, he is – he would be – he'll be attached to the post, the paint, quite a bit. Um, you know, and, I, and even last year, you know, they just didn't – they've got they've got a couple 6'4 kids that are pretty – that are pretty decent. And I guess where I'm going with this is that there's going to be times during the school year where it's going to be hard to evaluate what Braylon can do defensively. So it's good that he's getting that recognition now and at least showing that he's a capable defender and, and a willing defender. And, you know, he's, you know, then from there, he's just going to have to fine tune some stuff up because there just aren't that many college programs that, that live in zones like they do. Yeah. But again, I'll not, never, yeah. I'll never, not any that, not any college programs that, um, Unless it's you know, Syracuse. Uh, yeah, unless it's Syracuse. Not, <laughs> I mean, obviously, depending on, you know, it changes from game to game and, you know, changes mid-game or whatever, coaches adjust and everything, but there's just not a whole lot of schools that are just going to, like, zone the entire game, unless it's no. Syracuse. No, and, I, again, I'll – there are a lot of coaches who do that, will coach the whole year based on what it takes to win in March. And, you know, that's – that's how a lot of these guys keep their jobs. So it's, you know, there's no, no worries there. Uh, let's see. Briscoe, the ball state offer. Is that, I mean, that, that's a good offer and everything, but I mean, he's probably what high major now, right? Well, I mean, he's got, let's, let's the magic of databases. Let's confirm it. I mean, he's got Butler looking at high major offers. He's got Iowa. That's it. So those are the two high – Since I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Cincinnati. So he has those three high major offers. Um, you know, and, and – but none of his offers it, – it's funny. Kent State was his first mid-major offer back in January. And I tend to, I contend that a lot of times the first school at a level that the kid settles in on or hones in on, settles is probably the wrong word, but hones in on, uh, has a, a big upper hand. Assuming the relationship is continued, assuming the relationship building is going well. And, you know, from a mid-major perspective, that's, at least timing wise, that's Kent State. I have no clue what what's going on there. None of that stuff. Iowa then came in in early March. Iowa came in during the sectional, and they they jumped in both feet first. Uh, you know, and I don't know what West Miller's process is at Cincinnati. Butler has always kind of tended, always I say of late, maybe the last decade has tended to be a team that doesn't offer a kid until after their sophomore season. And that may be something with the university, you know, like they need to have two years of academics before they can actually make a, make an offer. Right. 
because Butler is one of those schools where your academics have to be better than just minimum. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, I mean, I mean, I think the Mac is. He goes to the Mac. He'll be a steal in the Mac. Yeah, especially if he goes to Ball State. He could, you know, I think he's a little bit more skilled than like let's say a Peyton Sparks was for them. You know, he's starting to show oh, that he can stretch out a little bit. A lot more skilled. Yeah, as a junior, certainly. But that'll be the, that'll be the thing is what position because he's that weird little tweener vibe thing going right now uh, that he goes to a Mac level school he might be able to flourish more as a four but I mean shoot man he's got almost had to mark explicit on the little thing there he he um, his outside shot is developing and I would say that, you know, laterally, he has done some good things defensively away from the paint, at least some of the games I've seen. I've not seen them a lot this this summer. But he is, I mean, I think he's a high major power forward prospect. Yep. But not a, not a, not a certainty, though. Right. Especially if he can get a little bit better at creating and shooting off the dribble, I think. I mean, you saw him in what the uh, the pack league a little bit um, shooting it well in transition. I mean, there was a few times where he would pull up in transition and stuff. I think if he just smooths that out a little bit more um, and it's just more consistent in that area, I, I, I agree with you. I think he's a high major uh, stretch four. I mean, he's more skilled at this age than Race Thompson was coming into IU. Oh, yeah, I would say so. Maybe not as athletic, maybe. No, but and not as big. Not as not as big. But again, we're I didn't see race as a junior in high school, so I I don't know what that looked like. Right. I have no but idea. But again, he but again he's more he's more skilled right now as a junior than Race Thompson was. In fairness, Race did skip his senior year of high school to come to Indiana. So Kind of forget was, that. <laughs> yeah, he was more at he's more skilled than what race was entering I Indiana, which would have been his senior season at high school. Right. And for those that don't remember, Race Thompson. Um partly because he was battling some body some injury issues. And he had a lot of concussion problems I remember, early on in his IU career. Well, no, really but even development. Well, part of the reason why he left why he committed early was because, or why he left school and came to Indiana as a senior versus attending his senior high school or gosh, dang it versus attending his high school during his senior season was because he was battling a back situation and playing wasn't going to help him. Right. So why, why sit out, you know, your senior year or, or battle mm-hmm. through that your senior year when you could go to, when you could go to college and work out without pressure of having to play. Right. And you can get that college level, you know, the training, you know, the trainer, the trainers at Indiana are top notch too. So obviously like, you know, get a lot of help there. So anything else there before we move on? 
Oh, I think that's it. Those are my two takeaways. All right. We are not going to name names on this. I don't even know if you know who, who I'm talking about. <laughs> Do you know the, the two situations I'm we're, that we're going to talk about? Uh, I know the two topics, but uh, I'm not, I don't think I'm familiar with where you're going with it. All right. So the bottom line is, is there's, there's two kids who have t-shirts with their branding on it, their name, image, and likeness on it. And they're trying to sell them. And it's being pushed by out-of-state people. And basically these two kids are being put in a situation, whether they know it or not, or whether they maybe care or not, where they're, they're effectively violating IHSA rules. And the bottom line is right now, NIL opportunities are not available to Indiana high school athletes, at least among schools that are a member of the IHSA. And I think that that's, that's definitely something that needs to be known. And, you know, I'm not interested in outing the situation. I'm not interested in outing the parties involved. Um, if they're listening or if anybody else is directly involved with them and they, and, you know, and who knows their parents may think, well, it's their right to do that and that's fine, but it's, there's still rules to live up to. Um, so the question is, and this is where it would have been nice to have Dominique and Zach, cause I'm sure they got some thoughts on it. Should the IHSA adopt policies that allow NIL? That's a, that's a great question. I, I, I think, uh, I, I, here's my opinion on it. I, I think, you know, you talk to a lot of people and like, I'm not trying to throw shade at, you know, the specific group of people, but I would say the older heads, the older basketball fans that really don't understand the whole NIL thing that don't understand, you know, players getting paid, you know, they still have that mindset of, you know, kids getting a free education that should be good enough. So I think, um, you know, there's always talk about, you know, there should be limits on the NIL stuff. I think once you get down to the high school level, I think that's where those limits need to start happening. Now, if the kid's 18 or older or whatever, if he if he's an adult, I say, why not? I, I think that's fine. But I think any any kid under 18 or younger, 17 or younger, I should say, I think that's where the limits are. And I, I don't know if the IHSAA should go ahead and adopt the NIL. Um, that's not my call. But me personally, I, I just don't I just don't see why a kid needs to do that at this age. 24 states disagree. include including illinois and kentucky alphabetically alabama arizona california colorado florida georgia illinois kentucky louisiana maryland michigan mississippi nebraska new jersey nevada new mexico i I skipped why is nevada ahead why is nevada behind new mexico and new jersey shame on Shame on chat GTP, North Carolina, (laughs) Oregon, South Carolina, Tennessee, Texas, Utah, Washington, and West Virginia. We need to check, let chat GTP know that W comes after V. So um, those 24 states, so almost half the country 
allows high school athletes to benefit from name, image, and likeness. Now, what those, this is, um, let's see, several states have passed, in the United States have passed legislation to allow high school athletes to benefit from NIL. Okay, so, but none of this is it says how. Okay, none of this says how. So, and none of this suggests uh, that it's the same as college athletes. Because we know that, like, Indiana basically has, to my knowledge, has zero laws on the books regarding NIL as a whole. Um, they basically have, you know, let the other states take the lead, so so forth. And I'm one of those guys that, first of all, value the 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 scholarship that these kids get. I value the notion of graduating from college debt-free and also know through experience of coaching kids in this situation where these Division I athletes, especially, especially basketball, I'm sure football is the same, where they are making above and beyond the, the cost of attendance at a college. And, and and including the rent, including utility bills, they're getting stipends on top of what their expenses are. They were before NIL was a reality. And and I I've liked NIL at the college level. I don't like it at the high school level because I think there's just a large opportunity for abuse um let's just say i don't like it at the college level based on i'm sorry should i don't like it at the high school level if it's the same if it's utilized the same way as it is at the college level any yeah i mean i mean yeah, yeah i want those, I, I, I guess I we kind of, I guess we kind of agree with that. Yeah, I, I mean, you just, I mean, you get to college, these kids, you know, at the college level, you kill, you call them kids or whatever, but at, they're adults at this point. They can make decisions on their own. They can make decisions that they need to make. Well, they are legally these adults. Kids, yeah, and these kids at the high school level, like you said, that just opens up so much more opportunity for abuse for parents for. I don't know, coaches, whatever you, you know, any adult in their life or whatever could just abuse that, you know, in all the wrong ways. I mean, at, at the high school level, your only focus should be about, you know, keeping your grades good, playing the sport that you love playing. You know, don't worry about the business side of things right now. Just enjoy playing basketball and things like that. So and, that's just my thoughts. And we've got – and what it has been is a, a, a company – that is what we we think is out of state. Probably should have researched that point. Has put together T-shirts with this with these kids, you know, name, image, and likeness on it. All three. <laughs> um, we assume these are pretty big names, kids wise. We are going to assume these are pretty big names. Okay. I'll message them to you. Okay. Since you since you didn't know. Um, 
the I can do this and talk at the same time. Um, <laughs> one of them his parent took to social media over the summer, early in the summer, and talked about this situation and basically said, we can go to Illinois and do this. So now there's a chance this high school could lose a kid to another to Illinois because of this situation to a high school in Illinois because of the situation. But let me say this. The inherent issue at this level is simple. We will now have families who will figure out or who will decide which high school to go to based on, let's say it's allowed in Indiana, based on which school can produce more purchases of T-shirts, more purchases of whatever paraphernalia would have. Eh, paraphernalia is probably the wrong word. Whatever merchandise would have their sons, daughters, whatever sport we're talking about, name, image, and likeness on it so they can benefit from going for that school. It, it really does open a can of worms. And, it, you know, it would be few and far between. Um, but I could just see this really becoming an issue if, if it plays out because the ITSA doesn't have the resources. Not, I doubt any of these state associations has the resources to investigate this stuff to any reasonable degree for better or for worse for a family. Yeah. I mean, there's a, there's a time in your life when, as you get older and you're playing basketball, there's a time in your life where, you know, you got to start thinking business, you know, a business sense of it. Now is not the time if you're a high school player. And I just think like you said, that opens up a can of worms that well, is just unnecessary. I think. Well, let's, let's so, be real. Let's be real on something. It's it's not the kids aren't going to benefit from this, right? They That's might exactly. get they might get a they might get a they might get PS five upgrade, <laughs> or maybe maybe a car. I don't know. A car would be pretty nice at that age. Um, I and I guess so. I talking to a, a friend of ours again, nameless. He's like, well, you know, if nobody finds out, you know, and, and knowing about the, you know, if nobody finds out, I mean, it's out there. This isn't, we're not outing anybody. It is, I mean, they've, it's been published, it's been promoted, it's been advertised, it's been pushed on social media. That's how we know about it. Um, but clearly you didn't know about it. Dominique didn't seem to know about it. Zach didn't seem to know about it. <laughs> We're just living under a rock. Well, no. Oh, no. No, no, no. Um, But they've not been shy about it. Let's just say that. So we're not outing anybody necessarily. I'm still not. But a friend of mine, a friend of ours, asked the question, what happens? Um. Again, I'm texting you as I'm as I'm speaking. 
Um, a friend of ours asked about, you know, what happens if the HSA finds out and decides to act on it, whatever, you know, let's say they decide to suspend a kid a certain number of games or heck even declares them ineligible for the upcoming season. And I said, well, it's problematic. And we, we go back to the eligibility issues. It's really up to the, especially early on in the process of any eligibility process, it's up to the family to prove it's their burden of proof. His, the question was, what happens if they're not the ones profiting from these sales? What if it's the company that is? And my response to that was, well, the, the families have been act, has been active in promoting it. Uh, so presumably they find benefit in the promotion of it. So, But they would have to prove to the IHSA that they didn't benefit from it and they would have the burden of proof because this isn't a court of law it is you know the IHSA's world and you know to an extent that makes sense you know and and sometimes you know on eligibility issues we talk you know we you weren't doing doing it with us regularly but we you know we had a whole year of seems like we had Weekly Jaden Brewer updates <laughs> on how that process was going. And, you know, this is just. Look, I think the IHSA should address it. I know that there was some talk among some athletics directors last year about how it should be handled or or how it should be considered, if it should be considered. I doubt all of those athletics directors are remotely on the same page when it comes to this. Uh, I bet if you were to poll school coaches, I doubt they're on the same page. You know, and and there's a, a lot of issues. And let's be real on something. The Shifting gears a little bit. I think one of the reasons why we have this 300-mile rule with the HSA where you can't play a school that's you can't travel. Well, now the rule is you can't travel further than 300 miles in one direction away from a state line to play a game is because it clearly benefits without that rule. It would clearly benefit schools with bigger budgets. Yeah. You know, and I'm not saying Money isn't money, but it would be nothing for Carmel or or to get on a to get their teams on a plane and go play in some huge event in Vegas or go play in Springfield Mass at that tournament they have. You know, it, it seems like it's what Martin Luther King Day that that one not tournament, but that shootout they have there. Yeah. Um it would be nothing. For that for that amount of money to you know to be to be raised or to be donated that's a lot of money still but I mean it's just and not every school could easily do that so that's why that rules in place I I mean I guess I don't know that's a hundred percent confirmed but but it, that's the only reason why it would be but 
so you start talking about now disparity dis, disparity of budgets. You know, that's, you know, we have class sports because of, quote, fairness, end quote. This would be another way to have an unlevel playing field. You know, and, and I don't know, I think the IHSA will tread very slowly until and or unless they're pressed from its coaching from its coaching constituents to 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 get something on the books. Yeah, they're they're definitely going to take their time with when it comes to this stuff, and they're going to see how the other states are operating. Um, they're not they're not going to be in any hurry. You know, and the state legislation could could blow that up completely and just say it's allowed, and the IHSA will have nothing to, will have nothing to say about it. Yeah, I guess. I mean, you know, the way some of these laws are worded, it it really strips the power. It really strips a little bit of power away from these status. So, you know, these sports governing bodies. But then that's also part of the equation as to why Jalen Harrelson would would go to La La Mer or, or why catch, you know, Cannon catchings would go to OTE because now they no longer have to abide by IHSA rules. You know, there's no, there's no law that says they can't benefit from it. Now I have confirmation from the IHSA that is that the NIL is not allowed. NIL benefits is not allowed. I asked the question, to be part of the conversation I was having at the time. So I wasn't home to research some of the rules or some of the bylaws. So I just did a quick email to one of the executive members and the reply came pretty quickly. I asked, can a high school athlete benefit from NIL benefits or, and the answer reply was no. And literally just no. Yeah. Pretty simple. Yeah. It's not in the rules now. It's not in the rules, kids. Just play ball. That's all I'm going to say. Well, if it's not in the rules, it can be done. So now the question will be, and this will be for tomorrow for me, is finding where the language is that disallows it. Because the IHSA will tell you, they've told me many times, their rules are meant to be taken literally. So I'm, I'll be anxious to see where it shows, you know, where, where it discussed. And it wouldn't necessarily say name, image, and likeness. It would, it would be in like awards or something like that. It goes back to the, some of the idiotic NCAA rules that we had, that we have to live by, whereby I can buy my team dinner, but I can't give my team, my kit, my players money to go buy dinner. So I couldn't give, let's say you played for me, Kyler. I couldn't give you $5 to go to McDonald's. But I could take you to Ruth's Chris and buy you dinner. Uh, if, if if I was if I was willing to also buy dinner for all the other players. That's that's an NCAA. That's effectively the wording of the NCAA rule. I can provide that. I can provide the service of a team dinner, 
but I could not provide cash for you to go. I, I'm technically not allowed to give a player money to go to a vending machine. This is wild. So I give them money to go get me something, and then I pay them <laughs> what's left did. over. Yeah, so I'll give them like a five. I'll be like, hey, get what you get. Just bring me back a Diet Pepsi. <laughs> it's usually how I handle it. Loopholes. Loopholes. That's right. Pay him three bucks to walk the concession stand and back. <laughs> it's hard work. Bring me my, bring me my two dollar dollar pe- diet Pepsi so they can get a, a Gatorade and a popcorn. <laughs> um. Anyway, anything else than that before we move on to the NCAA calendar? No, I'm uh, I'm just curious to see where that's going to end up going. Yeah, the, I have uh, too. I mean, but I, I like it's not going to happen for a while. I don't think. We'll just see what uh, what opens up and what doesn't. Well, the interesting thing will be was if anybody digs around and tries to find out what's going on in real time and, and how it's handled. I Again, it's out there. You know, judging from social media, no one's hiding from it. Oh. But I'm not interested in throwing names around, so. Let's take a quick break. We'll come back, talk about the NCAA. All right, we're back. The NCAA last week, I got to find it, came out with their recruiting calendar for the 2023-2024 season. And of direct interest to guys like me and guys like Kyler, our first Looks go straight to April, May, June, and July. And the big takeaway was it looked kind of the same as what it was going to be, what it was this past year, except there was just one weekend in July. And that upsets a lot of guys like me who thinks that college coaches should be able to watch these dudes almost any time. And the more you restrict it, the more you put power the more the NCAA restricts it, the more power they give to guys like AAU coaches. So their 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 process is reverse. They'll never admit it, and people will argue it. But the the more you bury the process, the more you put it in the hands of the people you don't want to have it. That's the bottom line. Um, but last year they only had one weekend in July coming into the spring and they quickly added the second weekend in July. And I thought it was great. I thought two in April, two in June, of course the two in June are high school events only and two in July was, was excellent. So they came out with their calendar and then what? Three days later, two days later, all of a sudden we started getting reports from national college media writers saying, no, that's not the calendar. The NCAA <laughs> is wrong. Here's here's the actual calendar. What, 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 where, where are they getting their, their correct calendar at? That's all well, I know. Well, here's the thing. that A lot of this is, we can blame the NCAA all we want, but a lot of this stuff is driven by the coaches of each given sport. And even in this article by Matt Norlander, 
which this was the first one to come out about it. Matt does an outstanding job of, of, of breaking news and covering the sport. Um, but it's funny. It's like, what would the new calendar look like on July 21st? The NCAA sent out this destined to be erroneous recruiting calendar, which does not match what you're, what you will see below that prompted a flurry of confused tech message, text messages and phone calls across the sport. So what that paragraph is saying is that is the NCAA came out with the calendar and the, and college coaches were like, wait a minute, this is not what we agreed on. And it's basically this article says the college coaches do not want an, to go another year with this calendar. We're stuck in this ridiculous legislative cycle that the NCAA has pinned us to because it falls under recruiting. The pilot program still has, has to get approved by dad, which is the NCAA in this case. We get to drive the car, but dad still tells us whether we get to go out tonight or not. I thought that was excellent. That, <laughs> of course, awesome. was that of course was given by a, an anonymous coach. Um, that that that's an awesome that's an awesome comparison. And here's here's the issue. The issue is the transfer portal and what it did to college coaches. What it did to evaluate the evaluation periods in April. Um. I did not coach this year. I did not travel. I was still very involved, uh, but I did not travel. I stayed local. Um, so even as the Kyle Guy teams traveled, and they, they felt pretty good about the coaches' attendance, overall it seemed like coaching attendance was down. I got that from tournament directors. I got that from college coaches who I, I know didn't go on the road. Um, and I got that from people like you who were at events and were like, yeah, we didn't see so-and-so there. You know, we only saw this, this person, you know, like Indiana may have only sent out one guy in a given day because they had a a visitor come in on the transfer portal. And that's where the, that's where the issue is, is the transfer portal carved up a lot of the springtime. And so what the, what the college coaches have proposed. And again, they they do talk about dad let you know dad determining whether or not you get to go out. <laughs> That's not entirely true because the coaches vote to approve or not approve this stuff. So it's not entirely true. But I guess if the NCAA comes in and says, no, this looks stupid, this isn't what we you know, I guess they could overrule, but I don't think they've overruled much lately. Um but now the transfer portal is 30 days, which I love. They have not figured out what that 30-day period is yet. And now I can't find that part in the article. Oh, by the 30 days, is that – what's what's the 30 days entail that they can – Oh, there it is. Okay, I found it. Okay. So right, now the, so right now the transfer portal, of course, this is just for entering the portal so you can get your one-time free transfer without sitting out a year. That's what this a lot of this stuff is about. Is is doing being in this window where you can be eligible right away. So now there's four options given up for what the transfer portal will look like. Option one, this is again Matt Norlander in on CBSSports.com. Push back the entry date to the Monday after the first weekend of the NCAA's, which would be a week later than 
what it was this past year. So basically at that point, you've only got 16 teams left playing plus teams in the NIT, which probably is at, at that point, what, eight, maybe? Yeah. Or six, maybe I, 16. I don't know. But that's still that's still less than 10% of the electorate. That's 16 teams at, at the NCAA. That's 16 teams at the NIT. I know we have these other stupid CIT, CBI, whatever the crap those things are. Whatever. Um, Hold on. Had to kill a had to kill a spider. Um, Bronson Kessinger rule of of insects: we can't let them live or they'll evolve. Um, <laughs> option number two: open the Monday after the Elite Eight concludes, week of the Final Four. So, basically, a week later than what option one is, and at that point, we've got four teams left in the NCAA tournament. Four teams left in the NIT tournament. Again, don't care about the CIT, the CBI, whatever those stupid things are called. Or open after the national championship game, which allows teams to fully focus on the tournament. Um, option number four, no universal start date. Rather, the portal opens for every team one to three days after the, its season ends. And then there's some assessments here where they, it lists certain coaches saying they like option two or three. I really like three. Because it, it, essentially the transfer portal is what? It, it's free agency. I mean, let's just call it, it what it is. It um, is. I mean, it just, so just think about, you know, NFL, you know, NBA free agency always starts after the season, not directly after, you know, the championship game or whatever. But, I mean, that's just how it goes. So, I think if you just stay along those lines, I think that's fine. And there's UConn assistant Luke Murray says that doing a Zoom when they're at the Final Four sucked. Makes yeah. sense. I'm sorry, Luke Murray said that to a friend of his or said that to Towson head coach, Pat Scary. Pat Scary, Towson's head coach, said he likes option two, but is open to three. Again, option two is the Monday after the Elite Eight. Um, and that I feel like that also takes away from the Elite Eight. It takes away from the NCAA tournament. And according to Norlander, option two has the more, most support right now. Um, here's, the, here's the problem with... with Allegedly waiting. There's ways around the rules. There, there just is. Kids, if if they have to wait, think about the teams that don't make it. Kids aren't going to necessarily. Kids don't wait to put their name, to put their name out there. In a lot of instances, the portal is a formality, and the way around it is to talk to coaches, school coaches, or summer coaches. I know coaching kids that have transferred that I get phone calls. I would get phone calls right after seasons were over saying, Hey, what's, what's so-and-so thinking, you know, or we're here or we're hearing this and that's not against the rules. 
you know, and every now and then I'm surprised by the call, but not always. And my response always is, I don't know. Let me, let me, let me speak to him and see what he's thinking. Or if I know he's not leaving, I just, I just flat out tell him. Um, especially if it's information I've already, I already directly have. But, the, the, but that's a situation where, again, you might place a date on it. It's like people back in the day were trying to govern when offers could be made or when commitments could be made. You, you, you can't govern in hearts and minds. So if a kid decides he wants to leave and he has to wait two weeks to do it, presumably two weeks would be the end of their conference tournament versus whatever date this would be, you know, the portal would open. He can get his coach, his school coach or his summer coach on the phone or get them working on the phone and talking to people. I mean, that's, and let's face it now with NIL, these guys can talk to agents. (laughs) And agents can act and agents can indirectly act in their interest. And in fact, since they don't have contracts with these kids, they've got plausible deniability to say, no, I'm not in any, any agreement with this player. Yeah. Especially because you look at the high majors that, you know, pretty much every single high major kid that's, you know, really, really good has an agent at this point. But if you're a kid, I like option two the best. If you're From a kid, kid yeah. huh, and that, that would be the option that's after the Elite Eight. If you're a kid and you you have interest in one of these Final Four schools, yeah, you could wait a week. You know, if it's in play, you could wait a week. If you can't, that probably says something about your interest versus you couldn't wait a week for those dudes. I mean, let, let's not let's not pretend that those final four teams aren't doing a little bit of recruiting during this process because you know they're sending players information. Hey, look at us. We're in the final four. Right. Recruiting never stops. Right. You know, even if it's just quick bumps. Did you so, see us? You know, stuff like that. Go ahead. I'm sorry. So my question is, if they go with option two, let's say you're a team, you're, you're a kid and your team's in the Elite Eight, can you put your name in the portal while you're in the Elite Eight? <laughs> I mean, I know that Probably. sounds crazy to say, but, like, I mean, we've seen crazier things happen. No, I wouldn't think so. Because I mean, let's, let's, well, let's put it this way. Let's put it this way. So – This year's date, the 2023, was seven days was before the NCAA tournament started. So, you you know, obviously all those teams, how many of those kids, I mean, did we, did any of those kids on those 68 teams enter the transfer portal before they were done? Not that I know of. So that would be your, that would probably be your answer. Yeah. I just don't like. I'm just thinking of like a kid. Like it popped in my head. Let's say Indiana's in the Elite Eight. 
last year or whatever, and you got a kid like Logan Duncan, who you obviously know is going to transfer out. Like, can he go ahead and just put his name in and then not just be any shock to anybody? I mean, sure. I know that that'd be kind of I, – I don't know if disrespectful is the right word, but I, I think it'd be a little bit disrespectful to the team that you're on right now to do sure. that. But, I mean, I feel like with option two, I, I don't see why you couldn't do that. Well, they, they can, to- I, I assume they can. There may be some verbiage in the rules that says – there may be some verbiage in the rules that says you have to wait for your season to end. Yeah. But here's the thing. (laughs) I'm going to contradict myself by saying these next two things. You got to know, right? For the most part. Yeah. That you want to. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you could, I mean, I feel like most kids that, know that they're going to transfer or making that decision like at the halfway point of the season. I mean, that's highly possible. But then the flip side of that, and this is where I'm going to contradict myself is the only problem with the 30 day window is the ripple effect of what happens when kids commit beyond the 30 day window. Like who's the dude from Miami of Florida? That committed to Indiana. Uh, oh, uh, Malik Renew. No, 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 no. Oh, oh, Miami, oh, oh, Miami oh. Florida University. The oh, University. Oh, Anthony Walker. Sorry. Anthony Walker. But he was pretty late in the process. Very, very late. Now IU even now still has what one scholarship left open. I'm not, and I'm yeah. not picking on IU. I'm just picking on. I mean, this team I follow. It's they're a good example of, too. But I mean. And and IU may not be a great example because they still do have a scholarship open, so it's not like they're pushing maximum density on rotation, you know, on their rotation. But let's say it was another guard, you know, instead of a forward. Hell, let's say I mean Indiana could still pick up somebody in the next what month. It could. I mean, realistically, and I'm and Leal ain't going anywhere. But you know, if you're still a player fighting for a spot in a rotation, and here comes another, here comes another player at your position after the transfer portal's closed, you're just like, man, now I'm kind of screwed. That's the only downside with the 30 day window is that somebody commits, somebody commits to to the school. in early May really pushing you out of the rotation on paper. Um, and now you can't take advantage of the, of the portal options. You still transfer, but now you got to sit unless you're a grad transfer. So there, there is some op, there are some issues with that side of it. Have we so we exhausted the the, the transfer portal part of this? Because I know <laughs> I you got to. I know you're. All, it's after ten. You got to get going. But all I know is is that when that thirty day window starts and when it ends, between that is going to be some of the most chaotic, you know, things in college oh, baby, basketball. It's college basketball free agency. It's content. 
Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, it was already chaotic this year with the, you know, this summer, the spring or whatever with it. Um, you give it 30 days at max, that's going to be, wow. I don't even want to think about that right now. I don't think I'd visit. Do all right, so yeah. let's get us to the let's get us to the recruiting calendar. So what this does now is it places pretty much the transfer portals in April. So now the April once April's done, we'll be full blown recruiting, and now here comes the new recruiting calendar. And what it looks like is this: no open evaluation periods in April. Right? Did I read that right? Yeah. So that'll that be is, basically transfer portal month. That is correct. So April is now transfer portal. April is now college free agency. May, one weekend, is, what's this recruiting period thing? I don't know. I was trying to figure that out. I don't know exactly what that means. That's. I think that means that kids can visit colleges. Okay, so that's what that means. That means kids can visit colleges. Because the quiet period means kids can't visit colleges, but colleges can still call and then the dead period is just nothing no no communication um no no visits i'm sorry i'm sorry the quiet period hold on recruiting period probably means the kids that coaches can go to the schools probably what that means yeah so that would be part of their 40 days or whatever their allotment is during the season during the school year Quiet period means they can't do anything off campus. And dead period means prospects can't come to campus. Phone calls are not covered in any of these period dates, by the way. So in May, the evaluation period, which is, means college coaches can go to non-scholastic event, is one weekend, May 17th, 18th, and 19th. I'm cool with that. I wish it was two be honest yeah for some reason they want to avoid mother's day um i it's fine the basketball moms they get the I had a, either i had a mom she went to all my games on mother's day we went out we went out after the games simple simple stuff um you know how they could have done it. They could have done it the next weekend, Memorial Day weekend. But anyway, one weekend in May. The good news: college coaches won't have anything else to do. <laughs> Go recruit. June is no longer two weekends. It's now one five-day period. June twentieth through the twenty-fourth, which is a Thursday through a Monday. I don't know why June 19th is blacked out. Oh, is that Juneteenth day? Okay. That's Juneteenth, yes. right? Okay. Try not to be completely ignorant. <laughs> oh, it even says it right there. There we go. And at least now Father's Day is, is blacked out, so you can't do anything on Father's Day, college-wise. So the 20th through the 24th. So what's probably going to happen is we're probably going to have the top 100 camp. On the 20th. And again, girls and boys are completely different calendars, by the way. So that's men's, women's recruiting completely different calendars. So that's keep that in mind. So I, I'd be willing to bet that the top 100 is on 
Thursday, the 20th. And then Charlie Hughes is either on the 21st, 22nd, 23rd, or the 22nd, 23rd, and 24th. Or just, right. the, or just the 22nd and 23rd. Yeah, the top the top 100, I'll just say it, it won't survive if you don't have college coaches, I can intend. I mean, it, they've had years when they didn't have D1 guys there. It was okay. It, it's a horrible evaluation situation. Right. It just is. There, I mean, it's through nobody's fault. It's just, it just is. And then July, two weekends. Um, looks like two periods. July 11th through the 14th, and then July 18th through the 19th. I'm sorry, 18th through the 21st. My fault. This is where you'll have your Peach Jams and your Adidas Championship and stuff like that on one of these weekends. Yeah, let's make sure that second weekend isn't. Yeah, see, that's good. I I like the July part. There's no reason not to have two full periods in July. The NCAA camp stuff is for the birds. Gonna give July a much needed boost too. I think the, I felt the, like I, after the first week of July this year, I felt like it was just so dead. There wasn't anything going on. Yeah, I mean the kids that need that the kids that need the exposure aren't the ones getting the camp this camp invite. I don't think. Yeah, I don't know. Um, but at any rate, looks like there's two full periods in July. And I like that. Good way to end the summer. I would say a lot of teams would still play the weekend after that, even though D1 guys can't be out because still non-D1 coaches can be out. D2, NAIA, D3, junior college, et cetera, so forth. Do you like that calendar? Do you like how that shakes out? I actually really do. I mean, at first, before the, we started the podcast and I was reading third, I didn't know if I liked it, but just dissecting it a little bit more. I really like April to be the um, portal month. That's what's going to be. I like May. Really like July. June, I'm a little iffy about. I don't know. Um, I feel like maybe there should be another weekend in June, but I don't know. Well, they're only, they only shorten it by one day. That is true. And at least in Indiana, we don't take full advantage of those days anyway. You know, you get a school like Cathedral that went down to Kentucky and played. They took full advantage. Was it Cathedral or Fishers or both? Uh, maybe it was, it was definitely both. Fishers. It was definitely, definitely Fishers. Fishers. Yeah. But last year it was Cathedral that went down to Kentucky. And I don't know that they were the only ones, but, you know, that's a good event. That may be something where. Well, I don't know. There's not enough Indiana teams to justify missing the top 100 to go down there, but I don't know. Um, yeah, I actually, you know, looking at it more, I really, really like the recruiting calendar next year. It, it does. It does get us to a point, speaking personally, where we no longer have major events stacked on each other to the point where you have to play or you feel like you have to play four or five 
weekends in a row where we then might take a week off. Like if we play six events, now you're taking a week off just to get one more weekend. It, it just, it, cause last year it was playing a tune-up event, play two periods of evaluation games and then turn around and play the run and slam. But then if you took a week off, now you're playing Memorial Day weekend, which is unless it's a a tour event, which we'll see what happens with th- these tours, the shoe tours and the NY2LAs and the hoop group stuff. We'll see how they, they shape their calendar. Like I think Under Armour had, had an event Memorial Day weekend. You know, now and if an event has purpose and matters, then that's a good weekend to play. But if it's you're just playing in some, you know, event, you know, no offense to, you know, the Memorial Day grassroots, whatever that stuff is up there. Um, it's not a super event, especially to travel to travel for. Uh, we went to Minnesota one year for some pseudo Nike thing. That was kind of fun. It was different. Drive home sucked. <laughs> um, driving back from Minneapolis. I always have to drive because I've always got like three kids. Can't afford to fly. Or <laughs> um, kids that don't want to fly because they're too scared. Yeah. And since it wasn't really a Nike event, we weren't. You know, we just, we, it wasn't funded. So at least the travel wasn't funded. Um, I don't know. It'd be interesting to see what the calendar looks like from a shoot, from a tour perspective. But yeah. it's going to, it's looking like, from my perspective, I, I love when we can do two weeks on, one week off, two weeks on, one week off, two weeks on, gets you six events. But that's also presuming that Memorial Day weekend is a major event. This year, it's going to look like, or the next season, it's going to look like two weeks on, one week off, and then three weeks on, and then come back in July and play three weeks. Not bad. It's not. It's not a bad schedule. No, I mean it's it's less stressful, I think, for the players. I mean that's the one thing. I mean you kind of touched on a little bit. I mean talking to parents this year. I mean it was so just jam-packed like you said it was just every weekend just playing games you know because you're playing in events that kind of matter and you need to be showcased and everything but I think next year it really stretches it out and it spaces it out which is necessary well and some some of these teams play every week and that's that's useless utterly useless it's too much I mean we don't play till the week after spring but this year we're going to be free and clear of spring break before we play our first tournament Nice, because Carmel's in that last period. There's, a, you know, that last period this year is going to be April first through the fifth. We won't play our first tournament till the twelfth, thirteenth, and fourteenth. So I'm not going to have to juggle anything this year. Good for me. Good for you, Reamer with the win. Right. Still going to have to nag him to get back and not miss that second weekend, but. You know, that's typically, at least they're not missing games. So, yeah, I, I like it. I like, 
especially with the transfer portal being what it is. Uh, it, it's here. It's fine for now. We'll see. I do like the 30 day window for the transfer portal. I kind of, that was kind of coming anyway. The, the, what the issue was going to be was be done by May 1st. Like, so June 30 or April 30th, it would be over. I don't know why it has to be a 30 day window. I don't know why it can't just be from the time you're done until April 30th. Yeah. I don't know why 30, I don't know why 30 days is a magic number. Why not just make it April 30th every year? I don't know about, I think on day one, I'm going to have to be glued to my computer. You were this year. <laughs> we I all was. were. We all were. At least those that follow. I mean, if you're listening to this and, you know, and you remotely have free time during the day, you're, you're probably checking transfer portal. At least you've got a couple of Twitter accounts that notify you when they come through to let you know. But now it's a little bit more concise. College coaches get what they want on that front because that 60-day window is just kind of ridiculous. Yeah. It drags out, too. It really does. It, it does. And it's like and like free agency, the NBA free agency, a lot of it's decided early, and the rest of it's just rearranging chairs in the Titanic. <laughs> right, and just filling out roster needs and yeah. doesn't drag you know, out of and I'm not complaining because I, I like, I mean, I you still sitting there with one scholarship open. I'm not complaining. I think it's, I think it's wise to do that when you, there's no reason to fill every scholarship. Right. You know, and if you get into the school year the, with it still available, then give it to a walk-on for a year. It'd be really cool. I wish more teams would do that. I mean, the money comes, the money doesn't come from the school. It's an endowment. Somebody donates that money. That money's there no matter what. So they might as well, I mean, but I, I like that approach better than over-signing. <laughs> now, Woodson's case, this is only his third year. I wouldn't I wouldn't blame him for reshuffling the roster how he sees fit. Yeah, this is definitely a year that he reshuffled. But if this is what his roster management is going to look like going forward, I I think it's I think it's good. Yeah. I mean, obviously he's getting dudes. I mean, that's fine. We'll see how it plays out. I don't, I I don't think, I, I, let me say this. If he's getting four or five guys every year, the transfer portal is probably a problem. Mm-hmm. But I was against Crean's oversigning <laughs> as late in, as late in his tenure as he was doing it. Like he was creating an unsettled roster because he would always have one guy more. And it was always like sing for your supper. And well, that's fine. Yeah, he loved it. But it it compelled people to leave, and it wasn't always the people you wanted to leave. Right, yeah, a lot of good players left. You know, so I'd rather have one less than one one too many. Yeah, and I I think think with – we're kind of getting on to an IU topic here, but I think with Woodson – um, you know, this year obviously he had to go for the transfer portal. Just oh, absolutely. To... Well, and yeah, then, he he just finished the second season. Got, and then next year he's got the youth, you know, and depending on who's going to transfer out of this out of this team or you know next summer or whatever. But this he's got youth now, and I think they'll get back to uh, you know, most of the new guys coming in next year will be high school players. 
Yeah, if he's five, six years in and he's reshuffling the deck every year like that, then it's it's it better be a lot of winning. I mean, because it's that point. But right now he's fine. I mean, right now it's it's understandable. He's, he's still a new coach. Right. And he's new because of how recruiting works. Like this is his first class, the 2024 class is the first class that they effectively get to recruit from start to finish. Yeah, that's true. You know, so anyway, yeah. all right, man, anything else? We we're, we're past yeah. 10, so we got to get you out of here. Oh, it was a, uh, it was a good, uh, good, good conversations today. I really, I thought, I thought they had, some, I thought we had some good topics to discuss and yeah, the NIL stuff didn't pop up until this morning. Um, I still think it's great that the NCAA people consider this recruiting stuff as part of the Rice Commission. Condoleezza Rice, <laughs> who you know never showed up at a gym, has no clue what the heck she's talking about <laughs> when it comes to recruiting for college athletics. Congratulations. Anyway, all right, Kyler, man, good talking to you. Yep. Good talking. We'll, uh, we'll talk to everybody on next week, and thanks. Yep.